0: so the last uh, section of the Advice to Megiya so these basic kamatanas the super kamatana the unattractive aspect of the body should be maintained in being for the purpose of abandoning lust loving-kindness, metta, for the purpose of abandoning ill will. mindfulness of breathing, anapanasati, for the purpose of cutting off discursive thoughts, the perception of impermanence for the purpose of eliminating the conceit I am, for when a man perceives impermanence, perception of non-self becomes established and when one perceives not-self it arrives at the elimination of the conceit, I am, and this is Nibbana, here and now. Knowing the meaning of this, the blessed one then uttered the exclamation, mean thoughts, trivial thoughts, come tempting the mind and fly away. Not understanding these thoughts in the mind, the heart strays, chasing them back and forth. A man understanding these thoughts in his mind expels them with vigorous mindfulness, and a man enlightened has done with them all, for no more temptation then stirs his mind. So, this today I'll talk about the perception of impermanence and. Um, do with sense of I am. It's probably one of those impermanence is something that's so like mindfulness is so used so commonly it becomes almost a, a cliche' so worn out that uh, one doesn't regard it very highly anymore. <laughs> it's kind of a bit of Buddhist jargon well yeah impermanence changes it will come and go, things will change and so on Mm. but uh, (coughs) of course the Buddha is saying this a very powerful statement with the uh, developing this perception of impermanence to eliminate a particular quality of, of notion or a particular quality of conceit or Assumption, sense of I am, and this is um, the realization of Nirvana. So it's just to recognize how. The our personal personality experience is structured around certain um, given norms or standards or things that become absolute. Mm. Parents, body, you know, people around tell me who I am. Having a body tells me who I am. Having a job tells me who I am Mm and so forth uh, we get the sense of who I am dependent upon other things a relationship with other things Um, we can recognise somehow we're not the body and yet that um, gives us the feeling oh I am this um, or I'm something defined by this and then even though that we may recognise it's impermanent then the attention then Goes to something else: are ah, the mind, the thoughts, the thinker, the moods, um, the aspirations, the sensitivities, the pains. Dukkha. This is what I am. Um, you know, these that we don't say these things. We tend to constellate or crystallise around particular states of being, internal states of being, or external states of being functions, positions, places, people, and so on. It give us a sense of, of, even though none of those things are seen as permanent, if you keep them darting from one to the other, then you get a sense of uh, a vaguely, or uh, well, a deeply held, a uh, sense of there's somebody permanent here, but exactly what, we don't know, but it is. There's a kind of blurred effect from... Moving from one object to the next. Maybe I'm that which I am, that which moves from one object to the next. My mind, my mind races from this to that. That's what I am. I am my mind, which races from this to that. And so the aim of meditation is to is, is to kind of calm things down, so that this this movement is checked, slowed down, anyway. And this is practiced in tandem with a lot of letting go of um, permanence on an external level and permanence even on a um, personality level. So you can notice on a, re- on a retreat situation where <coughs> maybe things are held in suspension, you know, a lot of things are kind of just put aside. The mind moves around and finds well, something else to be doing or you know, planning or remembering. Mm. It's you know, sort of interesting, isn't it? How one can deeply wish for some silence and space and then when it happens then the little things we have to deal with, things that bother us or good ideas we have. I always get my best ideas on retreats. <laughs> you know, how to do something or the other because the is just like a Almost like a squeezed-out sponge, and just wanting to soak up something to get. And then the things that we, when your mind is quite uh, calm and clear, then it can work exceptionally well. So you get brilliant um, ideas and things of this nature. I think we all recognise this this, as problem with or. Syndrome in meditation retreats. Why is that? You know, I mean, because it occurs right across the board, really. Mm. Different things. You get interested in particular studies, Buddhist studies. That's the most legitimate form of it. Or monastic duties. That's also fairly sounds legitimate, does not it? We could be doing for the welfare of the community, the monastery, buildings. Mm. Write that letter to the friend I forgot to, haven't written to for five years. Yeah, oh right, I've got some space. These are all things that can come up which on a conventional level are legitimate and so on. So, and you know, you can to sort of find your level with this, which, what you do. It doesn't, but it doesn't. Well, it doesn't go away. You know, it, it, the, the training you've got to find your own sense of how you how you manage this. But essentially, just to to at least to contemplate how that happens and how. Kind of driven, one can find oneself. How poignant some of these things can be. And just still, wait a minute. Why is that such a big thing right now? Strange. Just smell a rat there somewhere. And it, you know. Or of course, it can even, most subtly, get into the uh, meditation itself, where we we get busy meditating. Planning meditation stages we're going to get to and so forth. What's actually happening is, is uh, some kind of object is being built up to hang on to. And uh, why hang on? You know, what what is there to build up? What is what we need? Is it I've got something to be doing? It sort of takes away that kind of open unformed, somewhat restless, wobbly sense. Get some energy into something. It's around this that this sense of self is the the crystallizing of energy into with volition, with contact, with something one can attend to, focus on, hold. These are the forms of Sankara. The volitional is the most powerful and obvious one. It's the drive towards, the itch towards, the twitch towards. Or of course, you know, away from. And if you see what I mean, once one has some kind of uh, object or even there's either an object itself such as um, a thing I'm going to do or something I'm really interested in, or you can have uh, rather than object, a kind of an, an array of them which which gives one the feeling of being somebody who deals with a, a range of things, so as an abbot I can Think about Chittos monastery and other monasteries and the future and what I should, vinya talks I should give. I could get, do that. So rather than one particular object, I get into the, into um, a, a number of them that still build up the sense of, here I am, being me with the future. You know? or if we've got into some introspection, we can, we can recognise the problems we have, with our fellows, with our parents and so forth, and then we constellate around that um, mood, or defilement, you know, my, my ill will, or my grudge, or lust, or whatever it is, constellate around that, or constellate around an um, attainment of some kind, you know, my nimitta, or something of this nature. You know, uh, this is powerful stuff and obviously there's good places to hang out in and places that one you know establishes um, in order that the mind can calm or clear enough and you feel like you, you become that this is Buddha called the best kind of becoming, skillful karma uh, meditation calm Whatever it, whatever your meditation state is, your optimum state, and this is the best kind of thing to grasp, to feed on, and then from this, developing this perception of impermanence. Otherwise, this um, sense of self uh, crystallizes around that. Mm. in a range of ways, either something I, uh, I have to do, something they want me to do, or I have to do, or something I have done, or something I am, either in a positive sense, or something I am in a negative sense, or something I should be in a positive sense, or something I dread that I might be in a negative sense and so you can go from external events and duties and into internal moods meditative states psychological states emotional states and, and these are particularly the quality they have they can be quite poignant and stirring so we we often get into the feeling of it or the stu- dealing just with the our responses to um, the agitation that we feel. You know, I've got a problem with, you know, people or sex or food or sleep, or something like that. And so then, oh, you know, I've got a problem with this. So should I stop trying to have a? You know, be something else. Um, and there's, own, there's limitations, or you know, you, can pract- you can cultivate like that and in a way this, this self-instinct is quite content to keep that going that, because of the paradigm of me being something with a problem or with a skill or with a virtue or with a future or with karma, you know, so much karma I could carry because of this, that and the other, keeps the whole paradigm of self operating But in terms of the um, meditation, Satipatthana practice, then the really important thing is to contemplate the states the panic, the fear, the joy, the bliss whatever it is, the hatred as you know, that, which, that which passes, arises and passes. It doesn't mean it's all gone away. It means it's cont- at this very moment if something's bubbling, shifting, moving around. Just to like hold the state, contemplate the state, get around the state. And rather than it goes off into a topic where it crystallizes into a me with it. Me and my mind. Me and my life. Me and... My karma, me and you know. And then once it's in that me and, what the average person will find them to doing is trying to deal with the it and forget about the me. And it goes to the I'll uh, try and change that mind state or fix this problem or make somebody who doesn't like me like me or um, you know this kind of thing we deal with the it rather than the sense of being somebody in there who has it is it you know is responsible for it shouldn't be it you know that's that bit and so that that's the direction of away from anatta into self however what intention that can be. And we get into various kinds of compulsions around that. So somebody says that, you know, they have a problem with me and I feel, oh, it's my duty to, they, they should have a problem with me. No. I didn't ask them to have a problem with me um, you know it's not my <laughs> you know my thing is to, is to get into the sense of, of um, well am I supposed to be someone who, who nobody has a problem with? what's that, what's that about? Is that, where's that sense? I've got to be liked, understood, by everybody why? why should that happen? Did that ever happen to anybody? Did it happen to the Buddha? No. So Why should it happen to me that everybody likes and understands, is completely really okay with me? Why? Why do, why, do, why does that have to happen? It never has happened <laughs> to anybody, ever. Because <laughs> I, I want to feel you know, I want to be that, didn't I? So you, you can get into these things or to make things work. Mm. So obviously people at the monastery like to make this, be good, happy, peaceful, um, organised, effective, efficient. Has it ever happened? No. Anywhere? No. <laughs> so why should it happen here? because I, <laughs> I want that I want their sense of the comfort and the continual abiding in graceful, peaceful, non afflictive uh, context hmm. yeah, I can, well I think we can all understand that, that sense mm. so naturally all of us want to constellate around something that is pleasant and agreeable But um, this is Sangsara, and it's not supposed to work. um, Mm -hmm. One can arrive at places where the sense of Dukkha and distress is just felt, understood, handled, not resisted, not blamed, not inflicted, not um, proliferated around. It's like this. And released. It's not a matter of resigning oneself, saying life is miserable, but of recognizing this kind of tone of of the changing, haphazard nature of 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 life, of existence, patterns of karma, and not. uh, making anything out of it <coughs> not establishing a self around it either internally or externally it's my 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 re, added resolutions for the rains, which it's quite a struggle actually is, is, is a tamayata which means don't make anything out of anything and uh, so this is a continual challenge it's <laughs> don't that this moment don't add another moment to it. It's just this, and so of course the mind wants to react, and proliferate, and uh, build up patterns of self and me and people and the future and the monastery and Buddhism and so forth. Uh, quite challenging. But um, it seems a very interesting practice just to see what it brings up. It's you know, mm. just even having that in mind, the mind goes so far and then it, it knows what it begins to recognise what's doing and then just relax, let go and it goes into sort of slightly giddy mind looking for something to find and then just give up. And then this quality of Release space, ease, and the present. Then of course one can find oneself then constellating around that. Then something happens, it's gotta be dealt with or somebody comes to see me and I the little, little resistance come up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well don't don't build that one up either. So these kinds of practices are really just recognising how we, we constellate, we crystallise around objects is a tremendous involuntary push to doing that. It's not that we decide to, it we're just loaded systems loaded to do that, to to run out, to find, to make good and bad bad it's can't find good then bad will do and sometimes the it's the it's the it's the poignancy of those bad and good things that that takes us away from exploring who has them so you, know, you have some dark mm-hmm anger or lust or something like that oh, goodness me, is it dreadful there's you know, something about this and um, yeah, we, do do, we are doing something about it <laughs> you know, just kind of sitting and not acting and not speaking on those things we're doing something about it and then just breathing into that feeling it in the body relaxing it Samatha. Listening to it. This is doing something about it. Till so you're no longer just reacting to the the, the feeling sense and the and the shock that occurs when you see yourself not being yourself, yourself not being nice or high-minded or clear or forgiving or gracious when you see yourself being nasty and mean or or whatever it is oh goodness but um, you know this is something that we're actually allowing we're doing something about it by being present with that and by developing meditation and by developing wisdom And even a way of acknowledging and saying, you know, this is this is the way it's like this, isn't it? Because you can take all these things very personally, and that's that's the way it gets stuck. Now, when you the Buddha talked about this there's a kind of graduation of this process, because you know it's not about sitting here and just mulling away with thoughts and feelings of ill-will, but being able to check the thought and go to the energy of that. So the more skillful one gets with this, we're not acting upon it, and we're not speaking it. And then we're not uh, projecting it out, blaming people. Then actually going to the very formulation of thoughts. Just, you know, not suppressing them. We're going to the energy within that. This is the focusing skill of meditation. And then feeling it in the body, feeling how it's affecting the heart till you can establish mindfulness around that very formative principle which is the, the the sankara, is the formative energy and nibbana is the allaying, the cessation, the quietening of sankaras, and it's through this um, tackling these Sankara forces which come out into these uh, frustrated and confusing and hurt channels that you liberate that energy so that it's not just a (coughs) like an annihilation of of an energy but a transmutation of that which occurs when the, the energy is no longer going into ill will worry, doubt and so forth, then it's liberated and this is the sense of the the resource, the radiance, the energy factor of the enlightenment factors, Mm. just consider how much energy is used up, we use up in thinking needlessly, in worrying in planning and how the emotional states are supported by the thoughts and the thoughts are supported by the emotional states so we think, think something, we feel reassured by that. So it justifies the thinking. Thinking, you know. See so how much, how much is, how much is basic energy is used up in the in this internal introspective cosmos. Have you ever considered that the? end of the day, you know, where, where, where the, the mind has been, and here we are at the end of the day, the sun's gone down, it's getting dark, stars are coming out, where have we been? When you woke up in the morning, there you were, you know, the sun's gone down, the stars are out, here we are, where have we been? What was all that about? And that was really intense and powerful and frightening and horrible and joyful and lovely and fun and interesting and you know wow you know and what if so the the constant reflection of a Buddhist is uncertain is the time of my death what if I die tonight this is a very good thing to you know bear in mind continually what if I die tonight or this afternoon even because it. It's, it's not if, it's just when <laughs> and the when you're it's, it's already on the, on the list as it were <laughs> so then, uh, how much of all this stuff how much of that is going to stand under that or mm-hmm. well, how firmly will it stand So this is a way of kind of like of um, mental hygiene, just spring cleaning what am I, what am I using up, recognizing that these uh, mental objects are rather like physical objects they become possessions, I look in I look in my kuti, I've got all these hundreds of things Buddha, very nice things, books, Buddha images Incense burners, candles, this, that and the other. Oh, beautiful. All given by people in faith. Oh, this is lovely. I'll put it there. This is lovely too. I'll just put that there. Oh, here's a nice plant somebody's given. I'll put that there. Well, I'd better have a sprayer for the plants. I'll put that there. And I, I need to have something to clean that with. I'll put that there. And I'll have to have a towel to to do that with. I'll put that there. A lot of stuff here, <laughs> and uh, array. <laughs> it's been my days just shuffling through stuff, trying to find things. Sometimes, you know, where's that bit of paper? I've got about seven thousand pieces of paper. Right. And so sometimes I think, you know, and the moment I want to give it away. There's that moment of, oh, oh, that'd be, and then I give it away, and it's gone. I never missed it at all it's like the whole thing it it seems so permanent and real and fixed and and it's all and just the amount of energy that one can put into keeping it all going and keeping it tidy and ordering it isn't the mind rather like that you know, isn't your mind get to be like a very full house that you've got to keep tidy and spring cleaning and spraying and pruning and Polishing and re- reassembling—busy, busy life, isn't it? Just, just being, just having a mind—it's busy. All the memories and the issues and the people and the things and the possibilities. Poof. And then, where does it all go? You know, next life—that's <laughs> where it goes. <laughs> And so one is in there, you know, and, and he, with all this stuff, well, I've got a lot of, you know, and identified in some way with it all. Actually, the reflection on impermanence is that it's a kindly one, because it's not saying, it's not an annihilationist, asceticism, saying get rid of every thought and everything you ever have. You you shouldn't have anything, not even a single thought, or a memory, or a friend, or a parent, or a monastery, but just keep bearing your mind. Don't let yourself get formed by it. That's all. This is the kind of subtlety, and the finesse, and the struggle of the middle way. It's not to uh, annihilate every single object in the universe, but to be able to be there with the plants, and the images and the polishing and the things without making anything out of it, you know. And um, you know, getting, just using it to develop joy and mindfulness and clarity and calm and restraint and generosity, using it to develop good karma with it. But also to bear in mind that even good karma is not that good. You know, there's a good karma and then there's a sense of, well, yeah, this is good enough. And now, just to look into that volitional quality itself, good enough, poor D. This is the catchphrase, Lumpur Charles' catchphrase. It, it, it's a very good one, to, another good one to bear in mind in terms of places, people and meditation. Good enough. Mm. Good enough to to cultivate with. Good enough to see through. Good enough to work with. Good enough to see where one's getting caught and snagged. Good enough to give you the, the, enough support to feel you can hold presence. You're not continually flawed and smashed up and overwhelmed by things. Mm. You know you've got some enough presence there to be able to. To contemplate cultivate how we get caught in terms of the awakening process the Buddha talked to these ten fetters which are as a as an awakening process uh, um, give us a, a sense of what how does this realization of nibbana? how does a natar unfold you know there are different levels of it some of the kind of we more personality level is the most apparent which is that which is formed through relationships with people social conventional level so how one presents oneself in one's physical appearance uh, one's skills one's Intelligence, one's um, duties and things one does, the the personality level, identifying with that. Um, An introverted personality, an extroverted personality, a nice personality, whatever it is, It's it's the interface bit. This may be what's meant by ego or superego, I'm not entirely certain, these terms. But it's, it's the do it. The do it one. So the first three fetters really deal with this this one, this level of selfhood, level of being. Here I am doing it, what's the right way to do it? I've got the right system for doing it. This is the sila, patiparamasa thing. I am it. And so this, this, and, and the sense of uh, innate groundlessness and doubt which means that no matter how many ideas one has, how much uh, uh, books one's read, there's still a underli underneath that as a kind of empty sense which takes you on to the next book, the next retreat, the next practice, the next teacher. Mm. But you did that. Oh, yeah. oh that was great, great. And now what? Oh, no, because <laughs> we haven't actually got to this—the the experiencing the doubt, which is kind of groundless quality, which is which is there because the personality is is, is actually un, is an unstable construction. It's only constructing things thing, so it can't actually be fully completed. So there's always some part on a personality level it's never quite stable never quite finished and we try to fill that up it's the vacu- vacuous quality of well who am I and why bother and what's life about and it, um, and, you know, so we try to fill that with conceptual certainty or activities or energies or we can do things, make things, fix things and then when the music stops Oh quick, well, let's do something like that, so you can get into obviously, you know there's a certain level in which all religious practices become ways to placate the personality, make feel sure we're on the right team, the right people, the great teacher, or the only way. You know, As you begin to experience some of the the uh, confusions that occur around holding to those things, the tensions and the ill will and the quarrelling and the strife and the conceit that occurs around that, this is suffering. And contemplating the thoughts, the opinions, as impermanent. Not that we shouldn't have any, but they are they're not to be constellated around. They're just. this works for me right now that's all I know in the present moment so this is our the focus for awakening is is present moment and where's where's the suffering or the stress and that encouragement that right here in the present moment where you sense the suffering and stress, there's a shift that you can do. It's a different shift. It's not the shift into making and holding. It's a shift into letting go. Viveka. Viveka oh, that's like that. That's what I was talking about yesterday. This, you know, you can do that, and we do that as a basic meditation. You know, there's a shift. That's the thought. That's the body. That's the sensation. And now you're doing it with whole personality structures like belief in a system oh there's the belief in a system there's the wanting to believe in a system there's the frustration about not having a system you can believe in there's that so you get these that process of Iveka is then taken through into looking not just at particular sensations but at structures personality structures the sense you know When you can step back from that, so viveka is sometimes, in a sense, um, it kind of responds to the experience of anicca, because when you when you step back, the thing is allowed now to move and shift. It's no longer locked, and with that is a realization of a kind of open. Freedom. Oh, this bit doesn't suffer. Hmm. Hmm. So, interesting enough, in, in these fetters, you get this stuff is the first level of it, which is the personality, Sakaya, but then the rest of it, with the seven further fetters, <laughs> are to do with it's called something called the whole. Phenomenon is called attabawa or the becoming into sense of self, and the the others are to do with asmi, rather than sakaya asmi as a general I am sense, and it takes us out of the socialized personality experience into something more primary. And the first level of this primary, the next two fetters, which are to do with very basic sentiency. This is um, kama raga. And um, irritation, patiga. So, and even in, even in meditation, you can find this when you you know you quieten down the chattering in the mind, and you're no longer thinking about Thursday and dinner and so forth, and you come to think quiet and it's quiet of Suddenly, the heat of passion arises, you know, or some. Negativity you can be triggered off by something—a thought or a sound or something. something. This whole arises, or a memory comes up. And there you are in the argument, or there you are in the in the sensual paradise. And so, and you know, however it's perceived, however it comes up as. And these are, these are these are very disturbing, of course, but actually. These are occurring at a kind of layer somewhat beneath the personality. These is a the kind of more fundamental, most embodied experience that we just get into through being born and embodied here, which is so you can say they're almost coming out of the bodily sense. You know, they may express themselves in mental or psychological states, they, you can feel the body itself feels them you feel heated up by them or twisted or shut. Sometimes you feel your chest closed down or something that you, your guts harden up or tighten up with some feeling of rage or anger or grief. You can, you know, this is very bodily stuff. Yeah. So it's not personal. It's not personality stuff. It's, it's, it's more like just to do with being an identity or an individual. The unfortunate thing is that, that as we if we're not clear about this, then it it easily gets translated into personality stuff, into me and you on the personality level, and then we feel confused because you know part of me thinks this and part of me thinks that it, you know, but actually this is more like prime, primary embodied things then you're know, feeling the heat of passion in the body feeling the the tightness the tension of ill will in the body become somebody who has this big problem but going to the energy and even the bodily sense of it is very helpful because it's not personal It's not personality there and you can respond to that very much in the present moment Just feeling into the body textures and tones if you're using mindfulness of body, mindfulness of breathing um, this is a very skillful means for softening ventilating, breathing through, with no mental attitude to that, apart from a sense of mindfulness, spaciousness, compassion. sometimes you, you, you don't really recognize because of the powerful psychological and emotional content of these phenomena you don't recognize what's actually happened to your body so sometimes people are hunched over obviously their chest is being completely closed down by something mm-hmm. the whole front of the body is sunken and really not, not aware of that at all or realising that that is relevant to the psychological emotional state and if you just go to the bodily sense and what is this tension across my chest what is this uh, emptiness in the abdomen can I feel the body there breathe through it, open up that the psychological state wouldn't have a base to stand upon and you'd see through it for what it is conditioned but the self instinct is so strong to base itself around a mental state even if that mental state is horrible it it rivets our attention and we become someone who has to deal with this, someone who shouldn't have this, someone who's got a problem with this, somebody who needs to be something other than that, somebody who shouldn't be this way, and all that intense lot of self gets uh, formulated. <coughs> so, it's really uh, um, these, these two fetters are things that you can spend a lifetime or even several lifetimes kind of plugging away at until you really um, get the point. So, you know, particularly it's kind of long term things that you know, forest monks or meditating monks are always, you know, dealing with ill will and, and sense desire of some kind or another you know, kind of interesting comical stories <laughs> that go around these things uh, you know, an anthologies can be written on the various uh, comedies that get, uh, well they're comic if you are not actually experience them yourself From the outside they're comic because um, you're actually dealing with something that's just kind of like what happens when you get embodied and yet it's continued to be seen as a self, as a personal thing And to deconstruct that, you're going against something that's, that's far more powerfully embedded than the personality, which is difficult enough. So you know you do develop need uh, a lot of faith, a lot of Samadhi or continuing, not just moments of it but just a continuing collectedness and that strength and that holds mindfulness onto that, holds it there like an energetic gravity that stops you getting blown away into these things but the unpeeling, unfolding of that is, is joyful and you come to the the other fetters which are the ones that only the Arahant has cleared which are much more subtle, that which takes us into um, some position or another you're not even embodied but to uh, that which inclines towards being something any, of any kind you know, a subtle form non-existence um, this kind of, that sense which is probably not apposite to a, a practice at this moment in time <laughs> but you learn Really, from from these hindrances. So, unpo so, cha. say, you know, make sure you don't get rid of your hindrances too quickly, till you till you've got all the learning you can out of them. You know, don't just uh, cut them off or fence them off until you really get a lot of learning. They've got a lot of wisdom in them, and they've got a lot of energy in them. We know they've got a lot of energy in them, <laughs> but also they've got a lot of wisdom in them. Because if you, if you can, uh, you know, respond to these in the right way, you get, you know, there's a lot of wisdom there about knowing how to, you know, come disengage from the, the poignant, the dreadful, the delightful, the joyful, not with not dismissing it, but how to not make something out of it and uh, honour and respect that shift of letting go as your, as your as your friend, not as some painful thing you have to do but as something that's uh, beautiful, joyful because when we look on the on the larger scale you recognize this is really what's is the, the thing that, that enables the human world to continue at all is letting go, and certainly most obviously in sangha monastic life, you have something that looks pretty stable. In a way, you know, sangha is—they say it's the longest-lasting human institution, based upon impermanence. <laughs> you know, you get a pretty formidable setup like Chittavaca oak beams this building is supposed to last a, i don't know thousand years or so you know and it's built based upon impermanence based upon letting go because that's what that's what occurs if you if everybody cultivates letting go what what crystallizes is something that's um, has has a kind of the power of goodness in it rather than the power of ambition or possession in it the power of truth in it the power of generosity in it and all these are places, goodness and generosity and kindness, these are the worldly expressions of letting go we let go of the bit of me and mine and so on and on the worldly level it manifests into these very impressive situations you let go that if you cultivate that on the internal, psycho-spiritual level, this is what leads to the realization of, of um, Nibbāna.